and we are live hello 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 everyone thank you for joining me back here on my digital green book podcast as you know I love finding high caliber, high quality individuals in the community and having great conversations with them. I have so many passions in this life. In addition to Web3 and crypto, I absolutely love technical chart analysis. As you know, if you've been following me on LinkedIn, I recently joined a chapter of the TSAA, which is the Technical Securities Analysis Association. There's a local chapter in San Francisco and I had the pleasure of going out earlier this year and sitting at a regional conference that they had. And I met so many amazing traders in person, including Roman, who has joined me here today. This gentleman has a very extensive trading history and has a deep passion for the subject. So I just wanted to be honored to A, introduce him to my students, but have this very plain conversation in front of people to sort of demystify some of the things surrounding trading. Like we're regular everyday people. We just have a quirky hobby that we like to do on the side sometimes. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Roman, for being here today. I'm very honored that you took time out to be here with me. Well, Alana, thank you so much. It was great seeing you and meeting you at the conference. And, you know, like I I definitely hear the passion behind knowing how to do things. And uh, I'm a teacher myself. I've been teaching for years and decades. And uh, uh, I'm always for another conversation about why and how. So let's get into it. Yes. So people who've been following my journey know that I atypically fell into trading. I was a nurse for 13 years. I came home from work one day. My roommate's boyfriend had charts up on the screen, and that Mm -hmm. sent me on a spiraling journey of learning candles and price action, up, down, buy, sell. Like That sent me on a spiraling journey. That's my origin stories in trading. So, Roman, I want to ask you, what was your origin story? How did you even find out about technical analysis, charting, trading? How did you get here? In 1995 or 96, I came to Golden Gate University, which is located in San Francisco. And I Mm -hmm. came to the office of my future mentor at that time, Dr. Professor uh, Henry O. Pruden. And he showed me some charts and he started explaining on the chart what he sees and why you should be buying here, why you should be selling here. And it's like that story that you got me at the hello, right? So he got me like in the first five minutes of showing the charts and I knew that this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. And I started taking classes from him uh, for the next two years. Um, And then gradually started working my way into the field, into the profession. It was pretty challenging. I mean, um, I can't deny that at the beginning, you know, I was sending out the resumes I've sent out like 100 resumes to all of these companies that were looking for junior trader, junior analysts. None of those 100 resumes came back to me, even with the answer no. So I didn't even get the answer no. Uh, So that kind of pissed me off a little bit. And uh, I said, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Now I know that, you know, I'm going to make it. And uh, for the next two years, I started backtesting a lot of the stuff, you know, that I got from the class. There is a big disconnect. And as a teacher, I'm really aware of this. And I'm I'm sure that you are uh, aware of this as well, between the knowledge and the actual skill. So it's always, you know, a challenge for me as a teacher first to explain that you need not just the knowledge. You, You know, as I always say to my students, knowledge is not the skill. I mean, like you could be 
learning how to be a surgeon, but it doesn't mean that you will be able to go through the operation, through the surgery successfully until you actually practice many, many years and, you know, of practice. So the same was trading. Um, and uh, so it took me just two years to figure things out just on my own. So the total education spent for me uh, at the beginner's level was around five years. Um, then I had a fortune to come back to Golden Gate and, um, uh, you know, Hank invited me and, you know, to teach a couple of classes. And then after the first 15 minutes of my presentation, he said, you're going to be teaching online. And I'm like, okay, well, what, how can I resist? So I started teaching at Golden Gate. Um, I was an adjunct professor there for quite some time. Um, in my responsibilities there was not only to teach, but to create a curriculum of technical analysis together with Hen uh, Henry or Pruden. Um, and uh, we've done that. We've converted the whole curriculum to online. I taught white of classes, I taught technical analysis classes, trading execution classes, and so on and so forth. And alongside um, trading and kind of like developing my own style and so on and so forth. Then something unexpected happened or maybe expected, and that was that majority of the universities started to transition from on campus to online curriculums. Mm. And, and that produced a lot of kind of like bad situations for universities where they were losing money, and so on. So for that was a really hard transitional period for the whole educational, uh, high education system. Um, and with that, our technical analysis program at Golden Gate was completely closed. Uh, so I was forced kind of like out naturally out of that environment of academia environment. And I had to figure out how to survive again. So here's my second, you know, comment about, uh, and uh, I said, well, I'm just going to create my own company my own educational company. And uh, here I am, you know, 10, 12 years after. Um, and as they say, if you went through the first year, you're, you're gonna make it, so I'm, we made it. And if you went through the first 10 years, then you're doing something correctly, I guess. You know, if people come back and, you know, they, they want to, uh, to learn the material from us. And um, that's kind of like my story. I do, uh, I do trade. Um, I do trade personal accounts. I, um, I've been a hedge fund manager for the last three years, but I think this is going to come to some kind of conclusion. Um, and I do teach. I teach almost each day, so I'm enjoying teaching. I think that uh, teaching is probably my passion. Trading is probably my craft. Mm, that's a good way to put it. Teaching is your passion. But trading is your craft. I like that. I've never quite framed it that way before. And that's interesting to see even in a professional realm, the sort of insecurity that can happen sometimes. Like when I look at curriculums that get cut from schools in general, like all of the things I'm passionate about teaching, they're the first things on the chopping block, be it trading, be it crypto, be it anything nebulous. They're like, no, let's stick to hard sciences and hard maths. And it's like... So I totally, my heart goes out to you in that moment, definitely a golden gate where you're teaching and it's like, oh, well, this curriculum, well, we'll, we'll toss that one out the window. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait a minute here. Yeah, Man. yeah. Small programs, they usually kind of like, you know, go for the big ones uh, to keep and the small ones uh, just being asked. It was not just our program, but many, many other uh, programs. I, ironically, they're coming back to us right now to reinstate the whole technical analysis. Um, oh. and, so we'll see how that's going to go. 
Well, I would imagine so because there is a huge market demand for it, especially I would say in the last mm, three to five years, even the common lay people are interested in it because it's more accessible. It used to be that you had to have a certain net worth and millions of dollars to even be active in the market in that way with lots of licenses. That so is I wanted so to true. get your take on that. Yeah, what that what, is, so what is your take on that? What how do you feel about the fact that there's more common everyday people without quote unquote financial training or the sort of training you had to go through to be a, a legitimate teacher inside of this space? They're entering trading now. What how how has that shaped the landscape for you? Uh, well, first of all, there are multiple factors of why that has happened. So if we would look, as you rightfully said, um, you know, it's the decimation of the information. So like we uh, we get more information and we get information now at the lower cost and in majority of cases, sometimes even for free. You could go to, let's say, like a platform like stock charts. You could look at the charts. The information is there. Um, you could also go to a lot of the websites that have free information on technical analysis or trading in general. So you could literally educate yourself for free, which I would encourage everybody to do. This is a great initial step. You know, just go on Google and say like, okay, trading and so on and so forth. Um, now you have to be a little bit careful in terms of where you're getting your advice from, where you're getting your information. But, you know, it's kind of like a very natural filtration mechanism that you have to do with anything. If you go to Amazon and you're trying to buy something, you're going to research it. You're going to probably look at several things before you buy, uh, you know, the actual product. So the same with, you know, uh, teaching educational courses on trading. Uh, secondly, I would say that the big boost that we've got, you know, as an industry is uh, new younger people um, uh, trading a lot of cryptos, as you mentioned, and that brought so much attention to technical analysis in general and to trading specifically. And the third factor is, and we're all in this boat, uh, and uh, hopefully we could relate here, you know, nine to five job right now in the U.S., does it make it, you know, in terms of the living, especially if you live somewhere like in this crazy areas like New York, uh, Bay Area, Seattle, Los Angeles, you know, like, you know, those type of metropolitan, very high cost uh, living areas. And, you know, it you have to have either supplemental income or some kind of investment income uh, that allows you, you know, to feel good about your life and, you know, and so on and so forth. So I see a lot of people coming to us and they're just basically saying, yeah, I just need a supplemental income or I need an income of like, you know, between 10 to 20,000. How do I do this? Um, so those are the reasons of why I think, you know, people are more exposed right now to trading just in general. Because a traditional job really is not going to get you what you what you need, especially if you're trying to live a life that's not just paycheck to paycheck or I make just enough to handle my mortgage and my car note or things of that nature. Like if you're really trying to travel, enjoy yourself, I know that's honestly why I turned to trading. And mm -hmm. I'm somebody who most people would have considered me having uh, from a layperson blue collar perspective, a pretty good job. I was a traveling ICU nurse. Like I, I made good yeah. money, but when yeah. I, when I discovered, especially I lived in San Francisco, I worked at um, UCSF Parnassus for a year. I lived all up and down California, UCSD in San Diego. I worked at some phenomenal world-class hospitals, but I still wanted that time freedom because even as a as an ICU nurse, 
I'm clocking in for 12 hours at a time. And the time that I would love to spend doing recreational things, it wasn't my own because even when I was off, I was tired. So those were some of my motivations aside from just falling in love with learning how to read charts, why I got into it. But what would you say are some of your motivations outside of just a love or the craft of reading charts? What keeps you trading personally? Well, initially, I thought there was this kind of like a big thought of like, I don't have to have a team, uh, you know, for me to actually produce the money, to produce some kind of product. So money is the product for us. Um, we're producing, you know, we're producing money. Um, and the reason why is because I had some, you know, kind of like bad situation with my partners before when I was in my early 20s. I think emotionally that diverted me away from like the team uh, building and so on and so forth. And I think I needed some more maturity to to start building the teams. And uh, ironically, right now I have a team, you know, which is like close to 20 people. So, and I have to manage it. And uh, well, this is a different story. But uh, at, at first I was attracted of like, okay, I it's everything depends on me. So if it depends on me, I have more control. Uh, now, having said this, and I don't want this to come out in our interview as like, oh, this is like a thing to do. This is so easy. No, no, no. This is a really hard thing to do you're basically going against all of your human instincts, which is what? Yes. Which is basically to survive, put the food on your table, you know, take care of your kids, of your family, and so on and so forth. Uh, so it goes against the idea of the survival. Why? Because you always have to risk. So the better analogy to those earlier, you know, human species, you know, years would be probably hunting. When you go hunting, you take a risk, right? So you hunt on a tiger, let's say. You're taking the risk of being eaten. Uh, so therefore, um, you know, you you protect yourself. Um, you develop the methodology of how you hunt the tiger or a bear and, you know, and so on and so forth. And you follow the plan. The same with trading, but it's really counterintuitive. It's not about like, we usually think of survival ship as like, don't do this. In trading, you have to expose yourself to that risk in order for you to produce something. And that's why, and ultimately that's why trading is uh, for 99% of the uh, people that you know try it is gonna be very challenging. And in most cases, people will withdraw emotionally from it because it's just really, really hard. Yeah, you know what? That was one of the questions I definitely wanted to get into next. So I love that the conversation just flowed there naturally. I can even recall in the earlier portion of my own trading journey how I thought I was ill-suited for it. Um, you are. You are. Let me just make yeah. this statement right now. We are all ill-suited. And again, why? Because we are so risk-averse as a human species. We want to survive. And that's why taking risk is unnatural to us. And that's why trading is so hard. So... For myself, how I, I wouldn't even say I've overcome it, but I've been able to be functional where I'm profitable. So it's like I had to do a lot of deep introspection um, and then come up with a system and operate strictly within my system. And then if I notice myself operating outside of my system or the strict role, rules that I set for myself, like 
okay, I found an edge. I noticed that it works. It has a great percentage rate. I shouldn't be doing things outside of those parameters. Like if I tell myself, I'm only going to take three trades within a session. Why would I take number four? I don't care if I won all three in a row. If, if my limit, say I'm trading London session, is three trades in that London session, stop there. The other rule I have, I have to be appropriately risk managed. I need to know my risk management before I execute anything. If I'm hopping in and out of trades and I'm guessing on lot sizes and stuff, no. I don't even need to be trading. If I don't have time to sit down and calculate my risk management, it's not happening. So I had to come up with very strict parameters for myself to know what are my guidelines, what are my parameters. I understand I'm human. I understand I will err. But generally speaking, my compliance rate with myself now, as opposed to where I started four or five years ago, is vastly different. So I would love to know from you, if, if you're that clear and aware that risk is something that we hate to take as humans, and you've been in the game now, years now, how did you overcome, or if not overcome, suppress that naturally risk adverse side of yourself to be as operational as you are now? It is an ongoing uh, um, fight within yourself that is going to go on until you are done uh, with trading and investment. Um, because we are inside, we are so deeply rooted into the human nature. And the only thing, when you talk to the psychologists about this type of issue, you know, what they say is that you cannot get rid of this. You could only decrease the amplitude of your reactive behaviors to the environment mm. that you're in. Um, so I think that the whole journey from the student to, let's say, a master is all about how do you decrease the reactionality of your mental landscape around the situations that are so risky. One thing that I am absolutely kind of practicing uh, with students is just to tell them that, first of all, it's going to be a long journey. At the beginning of that journey, you are going to suffer through losses, through mental setbacks, through uh, financial setbacks, through conversations with your ecosystem like your spouse, or your friends or your parents that are going to say to you, like, get a nine to five job, you know, something like that, you know, and you, you have to be resilient. I mean, like uh, one of the probably uh, most uh, recognizable and most uh, profitable traders uh, of our generation of living uh, traders is Linda Rashti. And she's been trading for almost 40 years. She's been profitable. Uh, for like, I, I think the last stat that I saw, like 34 years out of 36. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, she, 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 is, she is amazing. Uh, but she has the correct mental state that allows her naturally to use technical analysis, you know, to go and to um, produce those type of results. Um, and it's again, it's kind of like some people are predisposed a little bit more and uh, you know there is uh, this question that comes up to me all if you would meet someone new how do you know that they're going to be a good trader um there is a mental predisposition there is a visual predisposition for the technical analysis can you recognize the pattern 
and there is a mental predisposition, can you, after recognizing this pattern, can you actually put the money on the line? Could you risk the money? Um, and one of the things that I say with the uh, mental predisposition, it's the resilience. Could you go um, in a row and make 1,000 mistakes and still get up after yeah. each mistake that you make? Analyze that mistake and not analyze only from a craft point of view, like the technical picture, but from the emotional point of view as well. How does that influence you? And then after that, you know, get up and make mistake again, fall again, analyze it, get up again, fall again, get up again, and so on and so forth. I teach my daughter when she falls, I always ask her, what do we do when we fall? Get and she up. tells me, daddy, we, we get up, we get up. So, but that's kind of like a life's statement. That's not even like a trading related statement. That would be too but narrow. But it is, it is trading related is. because I love that you're a girl dad because I can honestly say of people who I consider phenomenal traders, not just technically, but mentally as well. I typically notice that they have daughters. <laughs> it's just what I've noticed ah, ah, because there is a seriously? certain level of, yeah, there's a certain level of emotional intelligence okay. that you have mm -hmm. and you're tapped into that side. Like the empathy that you have is something that is innate. It can't be like, you're amazing. You're oh, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, this is a very important couple of words, emotional intelligence. Mm. In effect, I mean, if I would be thinking about all of the teachings that I've done, I always start from that point of view that we need to educate ourselves emotionally through the education of the technical picture. Um, mm. So you need to practice both. Uh, the development of your technical skills and then the development of your emotionality just in general. The maturation of your emotional intelligence will define the profitability that you're going to have. You need to put that on a shirt. <laughs> okay. Yeah, next time for sure. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, it's beautiful to hear that coming. I think everything's very timely for me because I've had a lot of instructors before it or even I've known a lot of phenomenal traders and I think a lot of people shy away from the emotional side of it they will talk about trading psychology they'll mark Douglas you down they'll do all of that but they rarely want to address the emotions or the impulses that come alongside that I've heard general sayings that women typically make better traders after we get over our risk and men make better traders once they tune into their emotions. So it's so validating to hear you say that. What are things, because you specifically said working on them, what are things that you do to work on your emotional intelligence, specifically in relation to trading? How do you continue that? Um, there are quite a few emotional uh, development tools that you could uh, go through. So for instance, I'm just going to take my example. Um, in the terms, of, there are different emotional tools in terms of like uh, awareness tools. Those are going to be your initial uh, working tools uh, for maybe like 10 years or so and going forward as well. But 
you're first going to concentrate on how do I know who I am? You know, how do I respond, uh, respond in certain situations? Um, what's, what are my reactive responses to the situation? So, for instance, when people come to me and they're like, well, do you think I'm going to make it? I'm just ask them one question. Give me an example of the most dramatic thing that has happened in your life and tell me how you overcame that. And then just from that, I already know what kind of type of a trader you're going to be and how difficult it's going to be for you to go through this whole path. Because again, knowledge is not the skill. Uh, mental skill development takes time. And I would prefer you know, people who are responding in the correct way if I'm teaching them how to trade correctly rather than people who are more reactive. Unfortunately, I was like that. My mental landscape based on you know, my family, my culture, where I grew up, the environment and so on and so forth were quite abusive. And from that abuse, you, you develop a lot of reactivity, which is not very good for trading. So I think that ultimately, like knowing myself the way that I know myself at this point, and obviously more knowledge comes in, comes ahead as you continue developing yourself is more about that I am not suited for trading. I am ill-suited for trading. And the reason I that I've picked this very, very hard field is just to figure out myself. But then ultimately, you know, through like learning a lot of points about myself, I figure out that any profession is probably about that. Anything that we do is probably about that. Life is all about not a job, not the money, not anything else. It's just like figuring out, you know, who am I? You know, like how am I responding to life? How am I responding to my surroundings? And trading is no exception to that. So you could quickly figure out people, you know, like if you ask them specific questions and how, you know, and you could project that into the future, like you're going to be a, this type of trader. And I, obviously I would never say this to people, but, you know, like I would think this in my head. Yeah. Ooh, how do you respond to lack? Oh, wow. Especially even when I think of myself in the scope of teaching, like mm -hmm. I would say across students that I've had that if I could go back and ask that question preemptively, it probably would have saved some heartache. Probably not, <laughs> but probably because especially in this consumerism culture that we're in, instant microwave culture, we want everything now. We want to be right. We need that confirmation bias. I can say that's probably why most traders fail. And it's that, that emotional damage that occurs when you're wrong. Now, that's why I gave myself trading parameters. Like for myself, if I'm trading, I get three executions in a session and I'm done. And it was interesting when you posed that question earlier, like, could you take... 99, well, you said 9,999 losses in a row and still get back up and keep going. For myself, even at this point in my journey, probably not. I probably would have to put a hard stop in, pause, reflect, take a break from the chart for a day, and then come back and resume. But that's a very deep question because I don't, I don't know if most people have that resiliency. Well, of course, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. I was talking about 1,000 mistakes in a row. But um, to be frank, I mean, like with our students, that's exactly what I discuss. K 
can you make one thousand? We have like a club, one thousand mistakers, right? Hmm. So this means that it doesn't have to be in a row. That's always exaggeration. But could you go through one、uh, thousand of your mistakes from the past, analyze those, and create such a feedback loop that in the present time, when you are about to make a trade, based on the previous mistakes and based on your awareness. Of how you're reacting to those mistakes, you actually catch yourself in the moment now,、mm-hmm. before you make the mistake, and that's the big transition.、Um, I think that, like the the next step after awareness, is just the ability not just to know the mistake, not just to know how you react to that,、uh, but to be able to catch yourself in the present moment before you are about to commit this mistake. I wrote an article on the feedback loop, which basically、uh, is a collection of questions that you ask before you put on the trade. Am I doing everything by the trading plan? And that's basically what you effectively were describing. Like, I'm not going to do the fourth trade just because my trading plan dictates third trade, three trades, and I'm done. So going into the fourth would be a mistake. So if you would ask yourself a question before you put on the fourth trade, is this by the trading plan? And this simple moment, the feedback loop moment, is just very effective. You ask yourself a question, and you have a binary answer: yes or no. And I tell my students, you have to obviously go with the plan. So no, no to the fourth trade. But I also tell them, and this is like a controversy of all of us humans. Here's the big question of choice and freedom: Am I allowed? To make a choice there that I know that might not be a good choice for me in general, and I always tell students, yes, you can. You can do this, but you need to know only one thing: your responsibility for that choice. What kind of responsibility is going to bring? If I'm going to do the fourth trade and it's a losing trade, and it's not just a losing trade, but maybe I made a mistake and it's a big losing trade. And it wiped out all of my profits for the day. Am I responsible for this? How am I going to react to this? Am I going to come home and then I'm going to like you know let my emotions out on my spouse and that's going to influence the whole ecosystem at home? Or maybe I'm doing this in a passive-aggressive way and I'm like you know so down and depressed and so on and so forth. But that's just the job, you know. Like you can't do that. Right, so you have to catch yourself, and you have to develop, and that's what emotional intelligence is about, and that's why it's important in trading, as I would say in any other profession as well. So, a couple of questions I want to ask as we're wrapping here, because thirty minutes flew by. I could literally talk about trading all day, because how much it does reflect on who we are and where we are as people. And how much growth we've had, even in your responses, I can hear the growth in you, and I didn't even know you at that period of time. The fact that you're able to sit here with this much clarity and reflect on these things and have these contingencies built in for yourself is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I wish more people would have the resilience to trade because I learned a lot about myself during trading as well. But、uh, one of the questions I want to know is why this specific style of trading for you? Because there's so many different types out there, we see people who rely heavily on indicators, 
uh, to try and help to make decisions in the market to sort of take some of that onus of responsibility for decision making off of them, or they may even use them as guidelines or tools to help them try and have a bit more clarity in the market. Myself, I'm a naked chart trader. I trade strictly off of price action. I've learned that indicators typically hinder me or cause me to make uh, poorer decisions in the market. So I've had more success just looking at pure structure, which is why I sort of fell in love with the basics of Wyckoff. Uh, but why, why this style of trading for you? We have to think about the methods, analytical method that we use in probably three major categories, like a macro analysis. This is something where people look at the big economic data, they look at the Fed, they look at the unemployment, they look at the liquidity in the market and so on and so forth, and they make decisions that are gonna last for a while, like beyond a year time horizon. Then you have the fundamental analysis, which concentrates primarily on the analysis of the companies. Uh, or maybe any other financial assets. And they go deep into the uh, revenue, uh, EBITDA, you know, earnings, and so on and so forth. And then there is a third school of investment methodologies, which is all under the umbrella of technical analysis. So technical analysis is all about how do we view trading through charts? So charts is the depiction of masses trading and coming to the same place and exchanging shares, whether they are buyers or sellers. And that is being portrayed on the chart. So think of the charts as like EKG for your heart. The doctor looks at the EKG and the doctor says, oh, okay, I see that here we have this like spike and so on and so forth. So we basically do the same. We're interpreting the data of people buying and selling. And specifically with the Wyckoff method, um, we are recognizing who's doing buying and who's doing selling. For us, it's important to understand that institutions, big institutions, like something like Warren Buffett, uh, Goldman Sachs, you know, those type of different BlackRock, you know, uh, you know, those type of institutions, they are producing the majority of volume on the exchanges and they are creating and sustaining the trends. And trend is our edge. If we could recognize the change from one environment into a trending environment, and we could take opportunity and establish positions there and stay within the trend, then we are benefiting from this. So therefore, um, coming back to Wyckoff methodology, Wyckoff method is based on the recognition of the footsteps on the chart of those big institutions and understanding whether they are buying or selling and going alone and trading alone with what we call smart money, big money. So the money that has the information that we don't have um, because they do. <laughs> maybe it's illegal, you know, or maybe they have some information where they have a whole array, the whole team of analysts, and that's also information, valuable information, uh, but they do oh, know more, they do have more size and therefore influence in the marketplace. And our job is just to recognize what's going on and trade alongside that. I love that. I love footprints in the market because literally if you can recognize those changes of character, it's probably the earliest warning sign to understanding where the market is going to go. And my last question for you today would be, 
what is your favorite pair or instrument to trade? And what is your favorite time frame to trade it on? Well, I kind of transition. I'm going to disappoint you here, Alana. I kind of trans transitioned from uh, I'm trading this only, I'm trading this time frame to more uh, kind of like opportunistic approach. Uh, so let me explain. Uh, so at the beginning of my career, I was trading stocks. Um, then I switched to options. Then I traded futures. Um, you know, just most recently in the last, you know, uh, five years, I've been trading cryptos as well. Uh, so I've traded all of this and I've traded different multiple time frames. I've been intraday trader. Uh, I like swing time frame, probably my favorite time frame. And I've been a long-term investor as well, you know, being a hedge fund manager. And um, I must say that those are great. And it's great to, as a beginner, to think this way, like, okay, I'm just going to trade ES, uh, E-minus contracts, and I'm going to do this on the intraday level. Uh, the way how I, uh, at least my mind works right now with trading is I want to recognize opportunities in different assets on different timeframes. And if it's mm. given to me and, which is also very important, I'm available to take that. And I'm available not just in terms of the time, but emotions as well. Like I'm not volatile, I'm stable, you know, everything is going well. Um, so then I don't really care what asset I'm trading, and I don't really care whether what kind of time frame we have. I have some trades on the intraday, I have some trades in cryptos right now, I have some trades in options, and it's kind of like all synergetic. That's beautiful. Is there a particular platform? I lied. Last question. Is there a particular platform that's your favorite to trade on that you love more one more than the other? I would highly suggest for charting purposes to use stock charts, especially if you're a long term and a swing trader. I would absolutely recommend, and this is what I'm using, I'm only recommending what I'm using, a trading view for intraday and swing trading. And then my broker is Think or Swim, TD Ameritrade. Um, they are stable, um, they are, you know, with cryptos, it's kind of like up and down, so as we know. Uh, so there you're taking a little bit of a risk, so you have to like think about how much money you have there. Uh, but I would just pick something stable and, uh, you know, like in that way, I'm very conservative. Well, this has been amazing for me. I could literally sit here and keep talking about this. I love this subject so much. I think you've provided so much value today, especially speaking more to the emotional component of it, because it's something that we need to be less afraid of as humans. We have to tackle those things if we want to be successful in it. And I know a lot of individuals who would be phenomenal in this space if they could address that one piece of them. But they think if I consume more data and more charts than hone my skill, I'll be even better. And it's not that it's, it's the internal it's the internal work. So I love that you addressed that. Roman, you know, you're, I, you're an amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, uh, I actually have a term for those students that are kind of like saying like, okay, I'm going to go and learn something else. So please don't mm -hmm. be that. Uh, you can trade literally with the moving average, uh, which is an indicator. So and, uh, don't even think about what this is, but um, I call them knowledge hoarders. It's the emotional withdrawal from pain. Um, I'm, I'm learning something, I'm doing it, and then I'm making a mistake. And instead of analyzing the mistake and actually practicing, 
uh, or identifying some blind spots, I'm going away and I'm trying to learn something else because in my mind, I'm going away from the pain. Mm-hmm. And that's very common. I've actually had this at the beginning of my career and that's why I'm teaching. I, I tell students the reason why I teach is because of that emotional pain that I had in withdrawal associated with that. So I went and I've learned a lot of methods and finally, you know, I've concentrated on one where I just had to concentrate on the details and the depth. Uh, so becoming a specialist is actually a good thing. Uh, but again, everything that I think that I've done in trading relates to the only one thing and one thing only. And that is who am I? How am I behaving in this life, regardless of trading or life? And, uh, it's all about that. So it's a journey of self. Sometimes I call trading a mirror of self, um, which is probably a good kind of like statement in terms of like you seeing your reflection as behaviors as you go forward because trading presents you with those choices of like uh, love and fear. And love and fear to me are the, the only two things that are driving our behaviors. Uh, so in trading, they are always exaggerated. Am I loving the trend or am I fearing, uh, fearing a reversal or fearing uh, uh, putting on the trade and so on and so forth? Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of glad how uh, you know this conversation took a turn into the emotionality of it. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for the whole group. Um, and Alana, thank you uh, for you uh, for your um, passion for trading and for your invitation. Uh, I really enjoyed this 30 minutes. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to speaking more with you in the future. I really want to see if I can rearrange my schedule to do January because I would love to speak on risk management. That's probably my biggest passion inside of this space. Aside from the emotional piece, it's risk management. Sounds great. And uh, we we would be uh, glad to see you there at the event. Uh, And also we would be happy to see anybody, uh, you know, from your group. Um, if not there, then just being interested in on the subject. And if you guys have any questions, let us know and we'll try to address. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roman. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.